Welcome to Soulful Connections. I'm Amanda Solar, host and creator of the podcast and SoulfulLiving.com. This is the place people will connect you to their stories, their journeys, and how they've found meaning in their lives. Join us. Let's connect. Connection. I am here with an absolute queen, Anne Huntsman, <laughs> Not who exactly. is totally exactly, she's retired as a guidance counselor. And I don't even think of that term with you, Anne, because you're beyond to me. Uh, my roots with Anne go back to my days with the Chamber of Commerce, where we had a parenting and family committee, and we did a lot of programming for parents and families in the area. And this woman would come in when she could because she was really busy and was so insightful, so wise. And even back then, before I had kids, I thought I would follow her to the ends of the earth <laughs> because you have such a combination of wisdom with pragmatism, with understanding, with compassion, you know, it's all there. And so I've always told you when you go on your speaking tour and write your book, I am in the front row, <laughs> ready and waiting. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, I've never talked to you about how you came to be a guidance counselor. When you were growing up, did you always want to be a teacher? Like, a psychologist what went into that what has that been like um I always wanted to be a teacher from the time I was very young and I started my career as a special ed teacher I taught uh, students who had emotional difficulties uh, but I learned along the way that they also had a lot of baggage family baggage there was so much going on in their life which led to the emotional difficulties that they had. And I would be sitting there trying to cram curriculum down their throat when all they wanted to do was talk about what was going on at home. Wow. And, and so after a few years of doing that, I had to go back to school and get more credits anyway. I thought, you know, let's get out of the classroom and get into a role where I can legitimately sit and talk to kids all the time. So that's how I got where I went. That's so cool. And how did you handle that and balancing your personal life? And I, I don't even mean the busyness of it all, because I know it was so, so it was a lot of time, a lot of hours, but also the energy, um, because when you're listening, you know, you've got your own kids, when you're listening to kids and you're handling them, how was that? I always believed that when my kids got to be middle school age, I worked in middle school my entire life. Um, I always thought when my kids got to be in middle school, I would have to take a sabbatical because I couldn't do it all day and go home and do it at night too. But honestly, I found that being at work was 
was different than doing it at home. You know, it's always different when it's your own kid. And so yeah. I, I didn't feel that it, busy, exhausted, all of that physically, but, but I didn't feel like I needed that mental break from work because I had kids at home. I felt like a fraud when I went to work. And I have said this to many people because I was at home screaming at my daughter, <laughs> saying all the wrong things. It was horrible. And then I'd go to school and try to tell some parent how to deal with their child. And I'm thinking, who am I to tell them that? I can't even deal with my own. That's you comforting. Know, it, it really. <laughs> and that's the that was the piece. The, the biggest issue I had was how do I manage my own kid and deal? And I learned a lot from dealing with my own kids. My son had a lot of anxiety when he was young. So I was able to relate to parents who had kids with anxiety, had trouble coming to school, didn't sleep, whatever. And then my daughter was just a middle school girl that drove me out of my mind all the way through high school. So I was able to relate to those parents too. So it ended up being a blessing rather than the difficulty I expected it to be. You know, I have to say when I, you were still there when I had kids in middle school and what struck me, well, this struck me even before I had kids in middle school with you is that you, it's kind of the most unlikable period of a kid's life. <laughs> <laughs> and you still seemed to like them. There was something, and what's that rooted in? Um, my, all of my jobs, academic, my career leading up to being a guidance counselor, I had worked in two private schools for children with difficulties and then was a special ed teacher in Central Bucks at Holocon for kids that had difficulties. I always dealt with kids that were on the difficult side and loved, loved, loved. My student teaching was in North Philadelphia and, and, and those kids were difficult. I always dealt with those kinds of kids and loved them. And so, so interesting. getting to working in a middle school, they're old enough that you can, you can joke with them. You can play with them. You can have a good time with them, but young enough that they still, they still want to hear what you have to say. They're still going to listen. They're, so it, I found the age to be a really good age for me because I play, you know, I, I, a student would be in the cafeteria hitting another kid in the back of the head and I was on calf duty and I'd walk across to that kid and hit him in the back of the head and knock him <laughs> off. And in middle school, you can play with kids that way. Oh, right. I like that. I mean, I could have lost my job eventually, but <laughs> fortunately I didn't. And I'm sure they were begging you to stay when you left. Um, what, so where's that come from? Like, is that, were your parents ultra compassionate people? Were you always like that? Um, were you raised in a, 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 an atmosphere of understanding that you were then able to extend to other people in your adulthood? I don't think so. I love my parents. Don't get me wrong, but I I don't have memories of them being particularly compassionate or or being any way in particular. I just I worked. I went to summer camp from the time I was three and stayed oh. at the same summer camp until I was twenty three and was working there. I loved working with kids all the time and 
it's just what it's just I like to you. do. It's kind of your purpose, I think. Or your yeah. back in Catholic school, they used to say that's your calling, you know. Right. right. Um so advice. If you could just dispense, I know that it's endless and there's not really general advice, but speaking generally, if you could give parents something that you've learned over the years, what would one or two things be? Oh my goodness. I, um, I can tell you one thing you said, but this is not what I think you'll, you'll say, but it was something that stuck with me when I was like at back to school night with my oldest, you said, you know, this is the time when your kids, you think, oh, we'll give them more leeway. We'll be less involved. We'll be more distant. They're getting older. And you said, this is the time where you got to rein in and be very much present and be very uh, cognizant of everything that they're doing. And that stuck with me because I was in an, an environment where there were a lot of parents like, oh, we can now just kind of take a little break. And you were like, no, you got to kick it up a notch. <laughs> and I remember that. I remember saying that. I believe that. Um, and I think that, I think that remaining their parent, it's easy to want to make them happy so that they like you. That's not your job. Your job is to help them develop safely and into responsible adults, and they don't have to like you along the way. Um, but, but being non-judgmental, listening. Mm. I have read online many times, if you don't listen to your kids when they come to you about the little things when they're young, they're not going to come to you about the big things when they're older. And so it's really important that they feel like you are there to listen to them and not judge them. Just be there. That's what they need. They need you to be there. Love that. I love that blend. Because, you know, I was talking with a friend recently and we said, like, I don't think my parents worried about making me like them. <laughs> they did not seem to care about that. And, you know, I think, you know, my group of parents, I think we do care about that. Um, but I also think the lack of judgment and listening is really, really important. And I don't know, Ted, La do you watch the show Ted Lasso? I don't, but I've heard wonderful things. I, that was me until very recently, but um, you would love it. But one thing he says is, you know, be curious, not judgmental, be curious. So I think that's, you know, something Absolutely. I try to remember. You don't have to like everything they do. You don't have to approve of everything they do, but have a conversation about it and not, don't put them down. Don't tell them they're being ridiculous. Don't just talk with them. Well, so this was such a huge part of your life. So consuming. Can you share what retirement felt like and what it feels like now? Boy, did I cry. <laughs> it, was, it was hard to leave because it was my identity. I was ready to go. It's not that I missed the job per se. Yes. But that was my identity my whole life. So who am I now? My kids are grown. They don't necessarily need me in the same way. Now I'm not working anymore. So school doesn't need me. And, and so who am I? Who is this person now? So that made retirement really hard. Um, the thing that I, am, I remember the most, I remember a lot of things, 
but I left in October of 2018. I turned 60 on a Saturday, came back and worked on Monday and I was out the door. And that June was freshman day. Those ninth graders I had been with all through seventh grade, all through eighth grade and the beginning of ninth grade. So I, my plan was there was a new counselor, Mrs. Nolan had taken over, she was in the building. My plan was to go to West, sit in the back of the auditorium and watch them get their certificates just because they were still my kids. I got to the parking lot. I sat in the parking lot and watched the kids go in. I watched the new counselor go in with Jody, the other counselor. And I thought to myself, these are not my kids anymore. It's not my place. And that was the point at which I was able to close the door or I decided to close that door and not try to still be part of that world. I sat wow. in the parking lot, cried for a long time, never went in, cried for a long time and went home. And from that point on, tried to look forward instead of looking back at what I was missing. So that wow. was a real turning point for me. I would believe that. And interesting that you're kind of shedding that piece of your identity right before a pandemic. <laughs> where you're really, you know, experiencing yourself. And what was it like figuring out what you were going to spend your time doing at all of that? I'm still figuring that out. Yeah. Um, my husband and I own a travel trailer and we like to take trips and go camping. And so I retired on a Monday and on Thursday or Friday that week, we left for a four week trip down south and had a wonderful time. Came back the following spring, did another trip. It was wonderful, came back. And then I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So a year to the day of my retirement was my surgery. And the lesson there was get out when, you, if you are looking to retire, get out when you can because you don't know what tomorrow brings. That's huge. And I give and that, I say that to people all the time. If you can go and you're thinking about staying another year, just because you want a teeny little bit more in your pension check, take advantage of the opportunity to live while you can and go. Yeah. And what was that whole journey? Like Were what were your feelings when you were diagnosed? How did you handle treatment? How did you get through it? One day at a time. It was, um, of course it was hard. It was, it was devastating. It was, I, it was scary. It was all of those things. Um, I had a wonderful team at Penn. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I am part of a club of which I know many members on, and nobody wants to be in that club, but we are there. And several of them had some, the same doctors that I did. I was very comfortable with those doctors. And and so you just, it, I had come, my surgery was complicated. I had infections and, and so it was just, okay, let's get over this hump and get to the next hump and yes. one thing at a time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's a, a, a great piece of advice to take things incrementally. You know, Absolutely. I always say I'm an incrementalist. Yeah, if you look at the, it's like, it's like quitting smoking or, or, 
or going on a diet, if I say to myself, I can't have ice cream for the rest of my life, forget it. I'm throwing in the towel now. <laughs> but if I'm not going to have ice cream for today, that I can yeah. do. So incremental is a good word. One little yes. step at a time. One and, step at a time. You know, you, and you still live with the fear. Is it going to come back? Is it, it, it but, but in the meantime, you got to live your life. Yeah. I, you know, I will say one thing from my daughter who's had health crises that have been life threatening. The thing that I learned, one of the things that I learned is, you know, we have this adage, which says, um, what is it? Prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Yep. So I just believe you prepare and hope for the best, <laughs> you know, yep. because I don't think you're really prepared for the worst and why live it multiple times. I think you have to just, you know, you can't ever get rid of probably that little tiny fear that's there no matter what you do. And, um, but ultimately, you know, you could cross this. I always tell this to people and they think I'm horrible, but I always say you could cross the street, get hit by a car. You That's don't right. know, you know? Um, You're right. So how are you today? I'm great. That's awesome. I'm great. Yes. That's thank really you. awesome. I'm doing well. I go for my checkups all as well. That's really, really great. And where do you seek inspiration now are you a reader do you watch tv is there what is it how you know what kind of excites and inspires you these days um i i have several irons in the fire none of them full-time none of them time consuming it would be very easy to fall into that couch and turn on the tv and be there all day um so i have to push myself some days to, to exercise, to move, to do things. But I am, I'm a little more socially active. Or I don't know if that's the right word, not socially active, yeah. in, but more of an activist in a very small way than I ever was. Um, I am on now on the board of what was CB Cares. It's now BC Cares for Bucks County Cares because we've expanded our mission and I love that work. Um, they were a huge part of my time in Central Bucks with their boomerang yeah. awards and the parent positive speakers. And, and I loved what they did. So I have joined that board. I do some consulting work with the Anti-Defamation League where we do training on anti-bias trainings for oh, um, teachers, great. for kids, because I saw that work really well with the middle school kids when I was at Lenape. And I said, when I retire, I'd like to do this. And I retired and I called them and that I do that. Um, I'm on the Human Relations Commission in the township where I live. Wow. Um, I and and I read a ton and I quilt a little bit and I crochet a little bit and I go I go out to eat a ton because all my retired friends let's meet for breakfast let's meet for lunch let's so yep. I do a lot of that. I feel you. You know, it's you crochet. Clara crochets. She loves to crochet. Really? Yeah. 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 Just something she's always kind of done. Um, and you're writing a book. I mean, you might not be writing a book, but I want you to write a book. I am. I'm about halfway through it. And I, I, it has been a dream I have had probably for 30 years to write this book. And it's, it's a book about surviving middle school. Um, and my plan, if it ever comes to, I'm about halfway through it. it, If it ever comes to fruition is that it is a book for parents and, and, tweens like fifth grade 
to read together. You open it from the front and oh, it's written it. from the parent's perspective. Flip it over and open it the other way and the same topics are covered, written from the child's perspective. So each reads it. their own chapter on the same topic and then they can have a conversation about it. Oh my gosh, Anne. So that's the plan and it is- Brilliant. It is started. It is it is underway. I just don't have a lot of self-discipline. It's like exercise and eating and anything else. Oh so, yeah, no, I feel you. But yeah. I, but I, when I sit down to write, I usually get through a chapter and then I don't look at it for six months and then I take it out again. And yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. So speaking of books, what books do you like? What types of books draw you in? Um, nothing, in, nothing spectacular. I am a mystery reader. Yeah. Um, I have joined a couple of book clubs because it pushes me to read other things because none of them read mis They read things that I never would have picked up in a million years, but I'm finding that I'm enjoying some of them. So it is pushing yeah. me to read other things, which is good. I just finished life in chem uh, lessons in chemistry and loved it. That was great. Oh, really? I don't yes. even know about it. Yes, it's great. I guess it's really not lessons in chemistry. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm it, guessing it, it is it is great it is worth reading so I, um, I I do like to read yeah I I push myself to read too I like to read but I don't read with the same uh you know dedication that I once had right um is there a book that you would say is impactful or has been impactful throughout your life it could have even been as a child as a child, The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton oh, yes. was my favorite book growing up. And, yeah. and it's about social social discourse and social issues. And, and maybe that's why I liked it so much um, because I felt like it, it, it was the age of the kids I've worked with my whole life. So maybe that's part of where that interest came from because that I read that when I was very young and it still stays with me. That was just one of those books. And it's perennial because yes. it was for me too. I, I loved it. I can still remember like, stay gold, pony boy. Exactly. <laughs> and yet each of my kids has read it too. And it means something to them. So I think that, I, yeah, that's a good pick, Anne. Um, I have two final questions for you. One is if you could tell people something, some little piece of advice to help them, you know, find more joy in their life or find more meaning in their life. Something that, I don't know. I know that's a random question, but do you have anything? Um, couple things. Kindness matters. Mm -hmm. And and I believe that what, what you put out into the universe comes back to you. So there is no reason not to be kind to other people. You have no idea what they're dealing with and it could make a huge impact on them. So be kind. Um, and don't take today for granted. I am a terrible, my husband and I both, we are terrible decision makers. We talk about things we wanna do and we will beat that horse until it is dead and never get there. <laughs> And I have in the last year said to him, we're done talking about it. 
I want to go to Key West. Let's plan a trip to Key West. And then, of course, Hurricane Ida came and my trip got canceled. <laughs> but I am all about stop yeah. talking about it. Yes. And start doing it. You need to live your life, not talk about how you want to. Life is not a destination. It's a journey. That saying has been huge to me. And it's not about getting to some goal at the end. It's about enjoying, enjoying the trip. And you got to live your life every day and get the most out of it. Guess what? I'm not even going to ask my next question because I think that's such a good ending point. I, I love it. I love it. And it really answers my next question, which, well, no. And you can never trust me. I just said <laughs> I wasn't going to ask my next question, but I'm going to, and maybe it's similar. My last question was going to be, if there's one thing that you've learned from your life specifically, specifically, like what is the lesson of your journey so far? Um, as a counselor, as a parent, I, they're different, I, I think. I mean, parenting is, is a whole different thing. At, but the, the overarching lesson I think has been, you don't realize the impact you're having on people mm -hmm. at, in that moment. Mm -hmm. But down the road, you learn about the impact you have had on people. And yeah. so, you know, what you do today matters. And, and even though it feels like it's something little, I'm on Facebook only because I am connected to millions of millions, that's a big word, of my <laughs> former students, but they're my kids. Yeah. They will always be my kids. And some of them are 50 years old now, but they are, I love to see how well they're doing and where they are and what they're doing. And, and, and that connection, make connections, take care of those connections and, and don't ever doubt that you are having an impact on the people you interact with every day. Love it. And I will say, and I just have to tell you, there's something about you and the way you travel in the world that as a parent, you feel like, oh, she knows my kids. And I mean, there's so many of us out there and we all feel about you. Like you can say our kid's name and you're going to know who we're talking about. And I don't even know how that's possible, but we all feel that connection from you, which is mind boggling, you know, because I've talked to so many parents and they're like, oh, and I'm like, how, <laughs> you know, thank you. And that is such a tribute to just the way you move in the world, you know, because, you know, we send our kids off into the school and it's, they're your heart walking into the school, no matter how messy or complicated Absolutely. they are, you know? And every kid needs a safe place in that building where when things are not going well, they know that they can go there and it will be okay. And, and so we tried to make that office that place where, yeah. you know, like kids could come and that relationship with the kids. I, I, I tell people I have a, facial recognition disability, I will look at somebody and go, I know, I know you, but I'm not sure. But the names, give me a name and I can picture them sitting in my office. I know how old they are by which office I was in at the time. I had four different offices in that building over the course of 30 years. And so 
which office they were sitting in gives me an idea of how old they are now. It's, it's really an interesting journey. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, consider giving it a great rating and following all the things you do when you like a podcast. Thank you to William Aronson for writing, producing, recording the Soulful Connections theme song. And once again, thank you for listening. I hope you keep tuning in.